0: I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Thanks so much for tuning in to Season 9 of the Parenting Aces podcast. I am your host, Lisa Stone, and in this episode, we are speaking with Renee Lopez, a former college coach, former college compliance officer with the NCAA, about her new book, Looking for a Full Ride, An Insider's Recruiting Guide. Renee is a veteran college coach, as I mentioned. She speaks at events. She's a trainer, a consultant, and now an author. In addition to her blogs that she writes on a regular basis and the Facebook groups that she monitors to help families do a better job at recruiting, she has been named coach of the year. She had over 30 all-conference players, multiple team academic sportsmanship, uh, all American awards. I mean, this woman has done everything there is to do in college athletics. And now she is sharing her experience with all of us in the form of her new book. As Renee said to me offline, her best advice to families going through college recruiting is first step is to spend $34 and purchase her new book And then, if you still feel like you need help because her book, for whatever reason, didn't give you everything you need to know, which, if that's the case, I want to hear from you because I will be shocked. If that's the case, then go out and pay 10 grand to a college recruiting service to help get your kid placed at an academic and athletic institution that's right for your family. But first step is definitely to buy Renee's new book. And after hearing, Our discussion today, I hope that's exactly what you'll do. So for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode with Renee Lopez. I'm Christopher Eubanks, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome back to the Parenting Aces podcast, Renee Lopez. I'm just thrilled to chat with you about all things college recruiting and sports and tennis and whatever else we wind up speaking about today.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back with you guys and being able to share the information with you guys.
0: Well, as I mentioned in my intro, you have a new book out Looking for a Full Ride, an Insiders Recruiting Guide. And you sent me a copy of the book, which I read. And I immediately reached out to you because this book is chock full of vital, vital, vital information for families that are looking for a college placement in athletics. I mean, you've just covered every bit of the spectrum.
1: Absolutely. You know, we wanted to do a very in-depth perspective for families to be able to read it as well as coaches. And maybe school counselors, anyone who's actually connected to a high school student athlete, being able to help them in the process and really understand from a college coach's perspective what they're looking for. And we interviewed 65 college coaches and athletic directors, actually across 19 different sports, tennis included, of course. And, you know, we have been able to present a lot of information, we think, of really a true insider's perspective of what coaches are looking for and what they're not looking for and the best ways to go about it, and also um, the pitfalls that some kids fall into and some of the mistakes they make in the recruiting process. And so we really just want to be able to help kids find the right fit and do the best uh, steps in order to find that fit along the way and starting early in the process and not waiting till their senior years of high school. So we're trying to do everything we can to present the information to them and help them really understand what a college coach thinks and what they're looking for, for in their future recruits.
0: And one of the things that made me so happy <laughs> when I was reading your book is you didn't just look at Division I schools or Division I recruiting. You looked and talked about all the different options in college athletics. And as my listeners know, I am a big proponent of looking at D1, sure, but also at D2, D3, NAIA, junior colleges, um, whatever other types of universities are out there that might appeal to a specific student and not just falling into the trap of D1 or bust.
1: Absolutely. You know, there's so many times that kids, we as college coaches, we refer to it as getting D1 on the brain, and that that's the only mindset a kid would be start to think about as opposed to weighing all your options, visit school, get an interaction with other coaches. And you know, you may find that you may have a better offer, a better opportunity, at a different level and you know for some kids it may be going the junior college route for some kids it may be looking at a, a christian college and it might be a small division two school or division three school or even you know some people don't even know this exists the united states collegiate athletic association as well it has uh some schools out there or the nai you know it's really the idea of finding the right fit academically socially obviously financially for most families you know the, the rising cost of college tuition but then it's also the part of the athletic aspect. But I think too often we get so shifted around because we're chasing, well, what coach wants me instead of looking at the overall fit to try and find the good academic fit, the size of the university, location. You know, I know, I know your kids go to school, uh, you know, on, on the West Coast and, you know, if you're on the East Coast and, and it's, there's some community that has to happen, you know, and how to take right. through that, what that looks like as a parent and also, uh, as your kids being sent off and, and hopping got a plane or whatever it may be for you so the idea is we have to really find the right fit for a kid overall and you know i always refer to that and i talk about it in my book called the broken leg test and the idea of if you break your leg um, or you tear acl or something awful happens to you or you stop loving playing the sport is the school still a right fit for you and you know the thing is we want to make sure that we find kids that aren't just going to transfer because something happens to them instead we're really looking to the, the idea of it's going to be a great place for them that they're going to learn and grow and develop not only as an athlete, but overall as a student and being able to find a career placement, you know, internships, things like that for them, as well as maybe someone going to grad school. So the idea is really balancing out the whole bigger picture. And how do you do that in the scope of athletics? And still many people are looking for a full ride. And so, you know, how do we find all those, those balances and be able to, to really weigh out the whole process?
0: Well, I've talked about this a bunch in the past, but it, it, I mean, I think we never can talk about it too much, and that is this whole idea that, yes, Division one is the place where athletic scholarships are offered as well as Division two. But even at Division three, you can pull together a full ride as a student athlete. It's just not going to come from the athletic budget.
1: Absolutely, that's 100% correct. And so many people dismiss other levels because they just think that there's not money there. And, you know, it depends on what program you're looking at, obviously. Um, and, you know, most coaches aren't going to be looking to try and package up uh, financially, um, you know, a kid that maybe has, you know, just barely getting by in their grades. But obviously, kids that are doing well academically will be able to really put a good package together. And, you know, it's really important that when you're going through the process and evaluating schools, is to look and see, is you know, is there stacking available? That's what we refer to in athletics, is can you stack academic money um, plus athletic money that may be happening at NAI route, division two route, um, obviously not division three in terms of athletic money. But again, you can find oftentimes a good financial package that can be balanced off of financial need as well as other scholarships that are available, especially at division three level, oftentimes are for good student leaders. And so finding you know, that big overall fit as well as finding options at the junior college, which may be a couple of years for you to go to school and, and then transfer into a, a bigger school if that's what you really want to do. Uh, but to financially afford it and not send our kids out of college with thousands and thousands, and or some of them hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, you know, I think is really important just in order to, to play, you know, tennis. And, and I think it's really important we gotta find that balance and be able to find it. And that's why I encourage kids to really explore. I always tell kids to start with a process with 30 schools on their uh, list. So they start contacting and I say not all of them being division one, you know, I say maybe five to eight of them, division ones and, you know, five to eight division twos, five to eight division threes, uh, NAIs and, and junior colleges. And, you know, looking at the things that meet the criteria outside of your sport and thinking through the academic portion of it, as well as location, as well as the size of the university and finding those things in order to start the process and contacting coaches and then going from there. As opposed to, we often just chase what coaches are interested in us, as opposed to chasing the other side of it first.
0: Mm-hmm. And as a former college coach yourself, a former, um, I guess, were you an employee of the NCAA or you worked with the NCAA?
1: I was a compliance director. So actually on a campus for two years. So I I worked with all of the behind the scenes roles and making sure the coaches and the athletes uh, follow the rules. Did that for a couple of years. It's not a fun job. I can tell you that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, but given your experience in that role and in the coaching role, can you give our listeners a little bit of Kind of the inside scoop of the differences between D one, D two, D three, NAIA, Junior College, um, religious based institutions, and and you mentioned one that I didn't know about the co- what did you call it the C College Athletic what did you call the last one? <laughs> the United States Collegiate Athletic Association is the that super- the USCAA? Yes,
1: absolutely. Well, let's just do a little breakdown, first of all. You know, obviously there are the Division One schools, and there's opportunities for athletic scholarships. Now, it also depends on how well-funded a university is. Oftentimes, there's a misconception out there that people think that every single athlete is on a full ride, and that's just not realistic, even if it is a Division One university. Not every kid is. Many of them are walk-ons. Some of them may be in situations where they are getting a portion of athletic money and academic money as well. And so many people also assume that every single roster is completely full of full rides, and it's not. And that's really important to know that also just because the NCAA has a certain amount of scholarships available doesn't mean that the university has committed to that sport to be at the fully funded availability. So you need to know that and understand that. Um, you may find actually more money at a division two school um, or an NAI school than you may find at a specific division one. Now division and one. Can I interrupt to to- you one
0: sec? Can I interrupt you one yep. sec? So for tennis, just for the listeners that may not know this yet, on the women's side at Division I, there are eight scholarships. On the men's side, there are four and a half scholarships. Given that a lineup consists of six singles players and six doubles players, which they can overlap. It can be the same six. Um, Four and a half scholarships on the men's side means that not everyone is getting scholarship money and for sure not everyone is getting a full ride. So let's just be really clear about that from the get-go. On the women's side, it's a little bit different, but on the men's side, there are very, very few collegiate D1 players getting a full ride to college.
1: Absolutely, 100%. That's one of the important things that we really look for um, for families to know and understand is what does it look like going into uh, the process and understanding that. You may find at an NAI school, again, being a little bit smaller school typically um, or a Division II school, you may find more scholarship money available uh, for a, a student-athlete because, you know, if there is, you know, if you have those, those four scholarships already tied up in your current team, there may not even be any opportunities for athletic money in this specific year that you're being recruited for. And so, you know, when we look at kind of the breakdown of all, all of these schools, you know, Division I is typically a larger university, now, they can be better funded in terms of the overall support of the program, and maybe they travel a little bit nicer, or maybe they have nicer facilities and such, but that may not always be the case. You know, you can go to some Division Two programs, and uh, I know you're out in California this week, and I can tell you there's some schools out there that are really, really beautiful campuses um, and facilities that you may find that are smaller schools, um, you know, that may be a little bit different than even some Division I facilities that you may find. So it's important to really research the university and really compare apples to apples and not a lot of times we're comparing apples and oranges. And so, you know, being able to really understand what that looks like, division two and NAI schools are typically a a smaller range of colleges as well as division threes. But again, division threes cannot offer athletic money, but they look to package kids with financial aid as well as they look to package kids um, with academic scholarship and maybe some other leadership scholarships or or maybe they wanna be an RA. You know at the school or what other opportunities there could be you know and so it's really important to really balance out what those levels look like you know and many people dismiss a division two or an NEI because they think that it's not a high level of play and I I challenge every single kid to go out and watch um, some college tennis and be able to see what that look level looks like and so not just dismiss it because oh you think it's not quote-unquote a division one and, you know, maybe it's even going to a junior college or a Division three school or, or some other schools we talked about. It's the idea of you need to go out, see the campus, see what the coaches and how the coaches interact with the student-athletes, as well as how the student-athletes and their abilities and what they look like. Because, again, many very, very talented athletes go and play Division two and NAI because – they may not have had a division one opportunity for scholarships at a school they were interested in that would be a good fit for them academically. And so, you know, I think it's a really important balance that we all need to have and, and really looking at the bigger scale of things is be a college athlete is being is an amazing opportunity for student athletes to do, but it is the idea of you need to find the right fit where you're gonna be able to also some playing time and not, you know, maybe you're not even uh, always being rostered, you know, for the, for a, a tournament in one weekend and things like that. So you need to find that right fit overall. And that's why I say, don't just get D1 on the brain. Think through what those other smaller school opportunities may be or even a medium mid-sized university may look like as well.
0: Who determines whether a school is D1, D2, D3, NAIA, JUCO, CA, blah, blah, blah. That is the school. The school chooses that,
1: and they uh, there is a lot of money involved in that process if they were to switch between uh, divisions. Um, and so it is the university's choice, and then they also bid to try and get into a conference whenever they are in, um, if they, especially if they're transitioning from one level to another. So it is the university's decision, as well as the university's decision, of how well funded each of the sports will be. Now, there are typically some conference minimums of scholarships. But there also may be some conference maximums that may not be um, equal to what the NCAA maximums may be. The NCAA maximums may be a little bit higher than what the conference maximums may be. So these things are not published very openly. So you no. actually need to ask a lot of questions. <laughs> and that's so just what I was getting research. ready
0: to say. I mean, you you can't just go online and find out how many scholarships school A, B, or C has available, you know, how the school is funding their tennis program, you have to, and when I say you, I mean the student athlete, because you and I both agree, Renee, that the student athlete should be the one driving this process. And so the student athlete needs to ask the coach, are you fully funded? If not, how many scholarships do you have? And even if you are fully funded, how much scholarship money is going to be available when I come on campus? Absolutely,
1: you know, and I think the other part is, is too often we ask that question a little too soon, and I think it's important that we need to really balance out the financial side of it, but also we have to be very careful that you don't actually just go in with a financial mindset. You have to come into it with an overall mindset. So here's the way I look at it, and I and I explain to all the student athletes that I work with, when you're initially sending an email to a college coach, don't ask about athletic scholarships that's kind of like this. When you go on a first date, you actually don't talk about getting married. They might, if you ask them, let's get, if they want to get married, they actually may look at you like you're crazy. And so it's very similar to that. So you need to think first of, let's start to build a relationship with the coach, interact with them, get to know the university. And then we start going down the path of asking and understanding what the financial aid process looks like. Because you don't want the coach to have this thought process that the only reason you're looking at their school is because of financial uh, opportunities. Instead, make it so that you're looking at the overall bigger picture. So be careful in sending those initial emails and just saying, I- I'm wondering how much scholarship money you have to offer me. They probably have never seen you play. They probably have gotten 15, maybe uh, to 25, 30 other emails that day in their inbox. Don't push them to delete your email just because the only motive that it shows for you is about money, as opposed to you're really trying to get a bigger picture of understanding what the university is really like. So I, I caution kids on that because it, it often happens um, in the initial emails because parents are saying, we need you to find that like scholarship and it's money. Like, let's make sure we do the right process, you know, it, it,
0: overall. Well, so with that in mind, what should that first email look like from the student athlete to the college coach?
1: absolutely I think it's really really important we cover this definitely throughout my book yes uh, you do how you contact, how you contact coaches you know first and foremost it has to be a professional email uh, you know it's really funny I actually got an email one time from somebody that had um, an email address that had bring sexy back in their email address <laughs> and I said absolutely not delete are you kidding me you, you just wouldn't do it make sure that it's a professional email um, and so it can just be a Gmail or Yahoo or something like that you know you use and um, make sure it has, you know, your uh, new to your name or initials in it, your graduation year. Also, your subject line, you also want to put class of 20, whatever, 2022, 2023, whatever it may be. You want to send that email and always address the coach saying, Dear and their last name. Do not use their first name until they tell you it's appropriate. Do not use their first name. Always use their last. Um, you can find that information on the college website under their athletics uh, information. You may be able to also fill out a recruiting questionnaire, they're gonna highly encourage you to do that on the athletic website. But in your initial email, you can tell if you just completed the recruiting questionnaire and you should include your basic academic information, what high school do you attend, what's your current GPA, when you plan on taking the ACTs or SATs, um, or your current scores if you've already taken them, as well as your NCAA Eligibility Center ID number if you're contacting a Division One or Division II university as well as if you're contacting an NAI school, what your eligibility center ID number is as well. If you're contacting an NAI school, they have a separate eligibility center. And then you also want to link to a website of some place. Typically, I encourage kids to use YouTube. It's very easy and very simple to use. You don't have to have this full all-out website, but just some information that shows um, you playing and the opportunity for them to watch you and evaluate you. And you don't need to have, you know, two hours worth of, of you trading and playing. But, you know, typically a five to eight minute video, you know, is is enough to, to kind of start the conversation with coaches. And also some upcoming schedules of, of matches you may be playing in and or tournaments you may be attending. Um, but also opportunities of reasons why you're contacting them about the school beyond the actual sport. So tell them, yay, you really looked up their education program or their business program or their nursing program and you said this would be a good fit for me academically, tell the coach that. Tell the coach that you're also interested in, you know, this location, you know, maybe it's in the suburbs or maybe it's in the heart of a big city like Chicago or New York and maybe you love to do that or, you know, maybe you're looking for the suburbia life or a small town, uh, you know, university. Maybe you're looking for um, being at a, a, a large school where they have, you know, major football, maybe an SEC school or, you know, something along those lines. But the idea is you want to tell them a little bit more about why you're looking at this college beyond just your sport. And then also making sure that they have your email address as well as your contact information for you and your coaches. And, you know, the reality is, especially this day and age, they also want to know a little bit more about you in terms of who you are besides a student and besides an athlete. So you want to also offer up what your social media links are. They want to know who you are away from school And they're trying to judge a little bit of your character. And so tell them other things that you're involved in. It doesn't have to be this long, lengthy email, but, you know, three to four short paragraphs, maybe three to five sentences in each paragraph. It's a little bit one paragraph thing about academics, another paragraph about other things you're involved in with school or or maybe you have a job, you know. But the idea is in that extra paragraph is thinking through is what makes you different than the 15 to 30 other emails I received today. You know, maybe you do a lot of volunteer work or you go on missions trips or uh, maybe you do, uh, maybe you're part of your band or your student council or something along those lines. You know, what else do you do to give back to the community? Coaches are always looking for. So show that you're more than just a tennis player and a student and that you actually have some other things going on in your life. And, um, you know, someplace, maybe something interesting about you, but helps us to remember who you are because you got to think that college coaches are receiving hundreds and hundreds of emails every month. So how do you separate yourself and how do you show them that you're mature, you're professional, and you are someone of character who's going to be hardworking and who's going to really go the distance in order to investigate the school and be a good fit overall for the school? Not just, hey, I'm a good tennis player and I'm a good fit for your team, but a bigger picture. And, you know, one of the things I also encourage families to do is do a little research on the current team and look and see if you can find something, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram or, or some of their social media or or their website of some of the volunteer projects that their current team has been involved in. Maybe they go out reading the kids, or maybe they do tennis lessons, you know, at um, a local community center or something like that, or Habitat for Humanity, something like that. And you're going to see it on the websites or on their social media, comment about that. And that shows the coach, you've done a little extra research, you've done your homework, and you've you've really investigated what it looks like, as well as the academic side of it, saying, hey, you know, I love that you say that we have, you know, the student ratio to professors is this, you know, at the school. And, I love that the campus is small and compact. I love that all the, almost all the freshmen live on, on as you know, in their first year. You know, maybe all those things you can just find on the website. And, you know, it's definitely not how you and I looked for colleges. I can tell you that, right? No, right. Um, <laughs> we're definitely looking for books, you know, but you can find yeah. so much now on the web. But it, it's really the idea of just do a little bit of homework. And it, it, it may feel like you're, you're, you're kissing up a little bit. And the reality is you want to make sure that the coach knows that you've done your homework and you're different than all the other emails they received this year uh, or this month.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, and and in addition for tennis players um, in that initial email, they may want to also include their their sectional or their national ranking with the governing body, sure. whether it's an American kid, it would be their USTA ranking, or if it's somebody yeah. in another country, um, they ranking in their country. Also your UTR would, you would want to include in that initial email, as well as a link to your tennis recruiting.net profile, um, and or your UTR profiles. So the more information, the better. One thing you mentioned, Renee, and I want to dig a little deeper into this is including your social media links uh, to your profiles in that initial email. And I want to talk about social media and preparing for recruiting by cleaning up social media. Let's let's dig a little deeper into that and what that looks like. Well,
1: you know, again, we interviewed over 65 college coaches and athletic directors in our book. And I can tell you, one of the biggest things that I kept coming back up in almost every single interview I was having with college coaches, they kept saying to me, you know, please tell kids to clean up their social media. And, and they don't realize that oftentimes a coach likes you. They're interested in you. And then guess what? They go and research your social media before they even contact you. They want to know who you are. And are you going to be a risk for them or are you going to be someone who actually helps their team in staying out of trouble? And so one of the ways they see that really quickly is what do you put on social media? You know, oftentimes we tell kids, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I want to tell you guys some things that you should be doing on social media. You know, obviously we want to make sure it's professional. We want to make sure that it's not anything where you're degrading your teammates, you're degrading, maybe you don't like the match official. You're not degrading uh, your coaches or um, you know, you're, this also includes your parents, I think, it's support. You know, it, you know, maybe you didn't like that somebody else uh, was, was ranked higher than you and, you know, and what that looked like and where you should be, where you thought you should be. Uh, you know, but the idea is you have to make sure that you're showing yourself as being a positive teammate and you're supportive of your teammates. You know, and I think it's really important that you can kind of think about the best social media marketing techniques. I'm going to take a couple things just straight out of my book for you guys. Um, that I I highly encourage you guys to take a look at and read. Um, This is really important things. I think, you know, showing positivity after you have a tough loss. You can put some information up there. Maybe you're just saying, you know, hey, you know, we really worked hard today. We didn't get the result we wanted. But, man, I'm so proud of my teammates or my partner or whatever it may be. And you're actually saying, you know, man, it was a tough opponent, but, wow, they pushed me to my limits. And so thinking through that. But you can actually do a shout-out to a teammate or a coach or maybe you're, you know, maybe you're doing a shout out to a team manager who just always makes sure that you guys are, you know, or maybe you're a trader or something like that. But showing that you are supportive and you're going to be positive in a team environment. You know, I think it's really important that you can also show you have, with pictures with your teammates. You guys are just hanging out, having clean fun, you know, and maybe you're dancing in the locker room before, before a big match, whatever it may be. But you can also show your commitment to academics as well and maybe you're just saying hey you know it's not really fun to always study for you know your chemistry test but you know thinking through and saying okay maybe you can just put a hashtag my grades matter or really looking to be a college athlete so i have to focus on that algebra 2 test that's coming up you know but thinking through you can put those things out there in social media you can also show a life outside of your sport and that may mean just you and your family went to disney world or or maybe you and your family um, went uh, did something for the christmas holidays or or you know hey you had a great date on, your, on valentine's day or something but the idea is you want to make sure it's all clean fun it's all things that anything that you have on your social media could be published on the front page of a newspaper and you also would have no problem with the principal of your school reading everything that you post on there shouldn't be swearing shouldn't be showing anything of of illegal things that you're doing but also this is really really important more kids get into trouble because of people that tag them in posts and other pictures and so making sure that you realize who your friends are and you make sure that you're not being tagged in things that are going to hurt you and realizing, understanding, well, everyone always says, well, I'll just put my stuff on private. College coaches think that you have something to hide. And we want to make sure that you never put yourself in that situation. And so that's why I say you may not, you may want to keep your stuff private, but you can still offer up what those links are to the college coaches so that they know what it is that you're, you are in terms of your personality and your character. Because it's really important that you show that you're going to be a positive influence and yes, you're going to have adversity, but the idea of that you're not going to cause trouble off the court uh, for a college coach, because that's really, really important.
0: What are your thoughts on kids having double accounts? So for instance, on Instagram, <laughs> if they have one that's public and one that's private?
1: I highly make I recommend that you don't go that route, because college coaches are going to figure it out. They do. Okay. And they actually go through the process. Um, there are many assistant coaches who are paid just to follow social media. That's what they do all day long. And then they go out to practice, you know, with their teams. And they are always following social media, uh, their recruits. I highly recommend that um, you don't do that because then again, it's something if a coach finds it, they're going to feel like you're trying to hide something. And so I highly encourage uh, families to really think through what that social media looks like, because again, this is also a bigger picture when they look to go on and play um, you know, uh, you know, in college is awesome, but the opportunity also is thinking towards their careers down the road, and whether you go in the professional world or you go to grad school, whatever it may be, you know, employers are also going to be looking at that. And guess what? So are admissions officers as well in in um, accepting people into the colleges too. So don't just think this is just uh, for student athletes; it's also for the general student as well.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure, and I mean. We hear a lot about you know coaches are looking for kids that fit the culture of the team and that have good character like you said that aren't gonna cause trouble. Um, you know that are they have a good work ethic and all of that. But let's be real. they're also looking for student athletes who are gonna help them win because Absolutely. the bottom line is if the team isn't winning, then the team is in jeopardy of being cut, and especially so in the tennis world, sadly. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's that's very true. It's it's very true that they are
1: looking uh, to win. They have to win. You know, I always ask coaches, you know, what are the the most important things you're looking for for a student-athlete? And one of the things is not just, um, you know, a talented athlete and a good student. But they're looking at how do kids overcome adversity. So if you ha- you drop a match that you you kind of think you should have won and you just didn't play very well, how do you bounce back from that? And I think that's an important aspect of all this too. Is they want talented athletes, but they also want resilient athletes. And I think that's a really really key part of this process. And so you need to demonstrate that on your social media as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And. You know, it's it's so tough because we hear a lot of conflicting advice around recruiting and you know when you should start and what you should be doing and all these things. And also that it's a process that needs a professional behind it to help. And we have we see and hear about a lot of families hiring recruiting consultants um, and spending frankly, you know, even up to tens of thousands of dollars. And after last year's college recruiting scandal, I think, um, you know, people are being a lot more careful about how they go through the process. But for somebody that is really just starting to think about applying to college and college recruiting, when is the ideal time to start? And when is it just too late?
1: Well, I think it's really important for kids to start getting on the radar of coaches during their freshman and sophomore years of high school. I think that's important to start, at least initially getting on the radar in terms of sending video. Maybe you go and visit a campus and and also, you know, maybe go to a camp. But the idea is, you know, start with that uh, that list of 30 30 schools and really start contacting coaches. I would say, okay, if you can do this, if you can email one college coach every single night for an entire month and think through that and go okay that's 30 schools okay so every night i take 15 to 20 minutes to kind of go through the process and and really kind of investigate the school the school a good fit for me and you do it and you start the process and you start that during your freshman and sophomore year and you know obviously when you know kids have school breaks things like that this would be a really good time maybe you can do a couple of schools in one day but the idea is really looking and saying hey we've got an opportunity here to start that process so then when it comes to their junior and senior year which starts to be really the intensive time of recruiting and you know kids coming for now they, they can go for official visits during their junior year you know which can can change things a little bit you know and also thinking through that process that that's for division 1 but thinking through the nai schools and division 3 schools and junior colleges have a little bit different um opportunities to be able to start the conversations with kids a little bit earlier than what division 1s can so that's why i say highly recommend you start the process as a freshman and sophomore start contacting you know those 30 schools whatever it may look like for you and start getting opportunities to go visit a campus, even if you're a sophomore and let's just say you're going to be playing at a tournament nearby just go and do a campus visit with admissions. You don't even have to necessarily meet with the coaches, um, you know, but the opportunity is to go and see a school, see if it's something you like, and you're going to start to realize, oh, I love this part of the school, but I don't like this part of the school. And now you're going to start to think to ask those questions when you go on another visit to another school. And so I recommend starting with a big net early on during your freshman, sophomore year, knowing the process is going to ramp up very much during uh, the summer before your before your junior year of high school and going into a lot of kids making decisions during their junior years. And so we want to make sure that we give kids the opportunity. Now, when you get to your senior year, I can tell you it's going to be very rare to find a full-ride scholarship, and it's probably going to be very rare to find that at a Division one university. So I highly recommend kids, Uh, Think that through earlier. Now, if you are in your senior year and you're panicking and going, oh, my gosh, what should I do? I would highly recommend that you look at some smaller schools, NAI schools, Division IIs, uh, Division IIIs, and junior colleges, maybe a National Christian College school as well, and seeing if there's a good fit for you there. Also looking at schools that may have had transition, meaning a college coach has moved on to a different position or has been let go. And now there's a new coach coming in because oftentimes recruiting changes along that process. So, you know, if you're in your senior year, I would definitely um, make sure that you are investigating every possible opportunity, but start out with some of, more of the smaller schools than, than, than chasing all the Division One dreams because they just may not be there in the opportunities. Now, the other part is, is thinking through that junior college, you may be able to, to go for a year or two and then be able to transfer to that Division One you still wanted to go to. And I think, you know, that's an opportunity that's out there. But a lot of kids dismiss and I would be thinking, wow, instead of being into thousands, thousands of years of, of, of debt, you know, looking and seeing there may be an opportunity for a full ride for two years at uh, junior college. And, again, they can have a great experience and do great academically and get you set up with a lot of your general education courses, that transferring to being a Division one athlete and, and college coaches seeing a great GPA. And especially if you didn't have a great GPA in high school, it may be a, a good opportunity to kind of uh, catch up on that academics.
0: Right. And one of the cool things about the junior colleges, too, at least in the tennis world, and I don't know how it works in any other sport, but the junior college tennis coaches are amazing at networking with the division one, two and three coaches and letting them know, hey, I've got this great kid. You know, he or she is playing a year for me, but then wants to transfer. I, I highly encourage you to take a look. You know, et cetera, et cetera. So junior college is a great stepping stone and especially for a kid that maybe emotionally or developmentally isn't ready to step foot on a big college campus. Absolutely.
1: I think there's so many opportunities that are out there and, and, uh, you know, I think many student athletes think just that division one route and I just want to encourage kids to really just explore those options. Go take a campus visit, and you may be able to do that earlier on. Then you can go actually go on the Division One campus and, and you know and interact with the coaches. You can do that at a, at a junior college a little bit earlier as well as AI schools. And so I highly recommend that families really mm-hmm. investigate those and, and see if it's a fit, and being able to start to compare aspects of a campus. You know what what type of study halls do they have? You know what's the coaches' overall philosophy in in choosing their athletes and their team? What types of team bonding does this was it Does their team do? Do the do student athletes room together? You know, if if they are uh, staying on campus, or some of some junior colleges even have have dorms, and some um, have you know apartments that some kids live in, some just live at home. So kind of exploring all those things, and and not just being so one sided in thinking. um, And I think that's important for our coaches and student uh, school counselors and principals and athletic directors, whoever is around our student athletes, to really encourage that broad net um, to be cast and encourage kids to get on campuses early on and also to talk with student athletes of what's it really like to be a student athlete and you know how do they balance in school and and travel and their sport and oh you know do they have a job on campus as well are they trying to do an internship how, how does that all work and what does that really look like um for them and, and really discovering what tennis can be for their life for four years or two years at that school
0: right right now For the kid that finds him or herself in senior year, and this is going to probably air (laughs) early in 2020, so January, February, I'm not sure exactly yet when we're airing this episode, but if we have someone listening who is a senior in high school, still hasn't committed for the fall. What advice do you have to that kid, even if, let's say, the kid has done everything you recommend in your book, started the process really early, has made the list, contacted the coaches, but still hasn't gotten the offer at the right place yet?
1: Sure. Well, I think it's important to, again, look for that place where you'll see that those coaching changes happen. There may be opportunities there as well as, you know, look at broad, broaden your net. I think that's important. You know, if you're not getting a lot of reception back from the coaches you had contacted originally, um, then maybe you need to go to 40 or 50 schools. You know, I think that, you know, to be contacting, um, you know, I would encourage you to be resilient, but also think of, is there an opportunity for me to walk on to a program? And, you know, we cover that as well in the book. If you had to be able to walk on, what were some questions you make sure that you ask? And so then you may be looking at just getting academic scholarship money in order to, or financial aid scholarship money to overall uh, finance you going to school, but be resilient and saying to a coach, Hey coach, I know you don't have athletic money, but I really want to be part of this team. You know, is there a walk on opportunity for me now? And, you know, sometimes you can prove yourself and there's opportunities down the road. Don't necessarily guarantee that it's going to always happen. But the thought is, is that you need to really, um, you know, continue to uh, broaden your, your casting of a net out there. And maybe it means you have to look out of state. Maybe it means you have to look at um, schools that you didn't think you initially wanted to look at. Um, but I encourage kids to really explore. There is an opportunity for kids somewhere. It's just a matter of finding it. Uh, maybe it's in a different part of the country than they wanted. Uh, but making sure still it's a good fit for them academically, because you don't want to get caught up in that part of it that where it's not a good fit um, but I, I highly encourage kids to taste that. And if I could be of any help to families, you know, you can reach out to me. I do uh, some individual consulting with families um, as well and try and help them. And especially a lot of I get a lot of last minute seniors panicking. Um, but I do work. I, I try to work with freshmen and sophomores as well. But you know, I think it's important um, to really think through that process and say, hey, what's the best steps we can do right now? knowing that some of the rosters are already full and what can I do to really expand and and broaden where I was originally looking.
0: And I want to just add to that too, in tennis, transfers typically aren't announced until after the spring season is complete, which is sometime in mid to late April for most schools. So that's when a lot of spots open up as well. Uh, when kids start seeking to transfer because they haven't made the best choice that freshman or sophomore year. And um, I speak from experience here. Um, So I would say that, you know, if it is January, February, and you haven't found the right fit for you yet, there may come an opportunity at a school that you know, maybe when you spoke to them in the fall, said they didn't have any openings, that could change come the end of the season.
1: Absolutely. You know, kids not only are transferring out because they may, may have made bad decisions, but also because, you know, maybe they thought they wanted to uh, go into a pre-med program, and then they changed their mind, they wanted to go into an engineering program, and that school didn't offer the engineering program, or, or some, you know, something like both lines, But also maybe it was they wanted to be closer to home. And so someone may be transferring or something like that. Um, and a coach didn't even know that was going to happen. Or maybe somebody gets to a point where they realize that, you know, their sport isn't as important to them anymore. And they decide just to focus on an internship opportunity or maybe they want to go study abroad or something like that. And so some things change along, along every year. And, you know, it's important to realize a coach. (laughs) What they said to you early on, you know, six months later, maybe a totally different answer. And so they weren't lying to you originally. It's just where it, what status was of their team, and especially with working with 18 to 22 year olds at the Division One level and, and Division Two level, and NAI levels, I can tell you, 18 to 22 year olds change their minds a lot. It happens yeah. a lot. So yeah. <laughs> we want to make sure that you realize that you can still try and pursue some things. And again, that's where I say, you know, be open to opportunities that um, and, and chase some other things that maybe you initially had hadn't thought that may be a good fit for you, but actually opens the doors and, and think through that. But that video is very key, as well as the email contact. Don't just email once, expecting that that's your end-all, be-all. You know, you want to make sure that you are um, consistently contacting them, especially if you're a senior. It probably should be every, every three, four weeks um, until they say you an outright no. Um, keep contacting them, and um, also try and get on campus as soon as you can, and uh, being able to interact with the coaches. And you know, one of the great things that we have, I have over 40 blogs on my website as well, talking about the college recruiting process. And we actually have one blog that's 13 Questions to Ask a College Coach and um, really good information on there for you to be thinking about if you are on campus and such. And I know you'll, you'll put our, my website down in your, your show notes and such, yep. uh, but we also cover a lot of this information in my book and highly encourage you guys to take a look at that information too before you go on to campus.
0: Yeah, well, you just provided the segue, so thank you. Let's, <laughs> let's give out your website and tell people how they can purchase your book.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, my website is rlopezcoaching.com, rlopezcoaching.com. Again, I do some individual consulting uh, with families. If you guys are feeling stuck and, and don't know where to go and what to do, we'd make it very affordable for families um, and be able to help you guys through the process. And um, I really um, try and utilize my experience as an SLA compliance director as well as Doing all of the research I've done for the past two and a half years, and interviewing 65 college coaches and athletic directors to provide information for you, it's the right steps to be taking. And uh, if you're working with me individually, I read over your emails before you send them. I look at your videos before you send them, and uh, we try and help you along the process. And so, if that's something you're interested in, you can reach out to me at info at Info at lookingforafullride.com as well as you can purchase my book at looking for a full ride.com. And um, we are also going to be having a coupon code for free shipping as well, because you listen to this podcast and we'll be including that in the uh, notes, I believe for today's yep. podcast too. And yeah. uh, so if you guys just mentioned the coupon code in there, you can get free shipping um, when you order my book again, Perfect. looking for a full Yeah.
0: Love it. Thanks and, so and, the links to all of that will be in the show notes on ParentingAces.com, so be sure and check those out. Renee, any last bits of advice you want to share with us before we wrap things up here? Well, I think it's very, very important for you to think through the
1: whole process, and you know, one of the things we cover in my book is decisions and things to think through before you, before you actually decide we have to make sure that we valued out and looked through every aspect of the college. And it's important, you know, not only looking at is, who's the coach, but also the team dynamics, as well as, you know, the safety and security on the campus. You know, what are the dorms really like? Uh, eat in the cafeteria, <laughs> because you're going to be in there a lot, you know, really get a feel for, you know, who are the athletic trainers as well, who work with the teams and, who else helps with the team and academic support, but really looking at the bigger picture of the overall school, not just looking at the tennis specifically, but look at the big picture of what your life is going to look like. Attend a class, make sure you take a campus tour and really get a feel for it. I always encourage people to kind of go check out some of the local coffee shops around the area and, and check out the mall and the movie theaters, because that's going to be part of your life, you know, for four years. So really important to weigh out all of the aspects of being a college student-athlete you know how do you balance school as well and and, and ask those questions and how, what happens when the team travels but the idea is you we cover all the stuff in my books so you don't have to, have to judge on all these notes right now many of you guys are probably trying to do but the idea is really evaluate every aspect of the college um, as well as just the tennis don't just think about it the, the sport but look at the bigger picture because you want to be a home that you have for four years and that you're proud to be a, a, a part of. So I highly encourage you guys all to really investigate every aspect. And, and coaches who are listening as well and anyone else, Black or school counselors, anyone else involved, I highly encourage you guys to also help kids balance those things out. I always encourage just make an Excel spreadsheet, you know, distance from home as well as, you know, what are the dorms like versus the food. You know, but a bigger picture and a ten thousand foot view is what I refer to it as, and making sure that it is a good fit for you that broken leg test.
0: Love it, love it. Well, Renee Lopez, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. I always learn from you, and to my listeners. Be sure to check out the show notes for a link to Renee's new book, Looking for a Full Ride, and Insider's Recruiting Guide. I promise you it is worth every cent that you will pay to purchase it. <laughs> and as Renee mentioned, we'll have a coupon code for free shipping. So be sure and take advantage of that. Uh, it's It's been a pleasure, Renee. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. I look forward to our next conversation and to my listeners Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.